This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger. Today, I'm excited to tell you about Portraits from a Fire. You may have heard the buzz about this film during the 2021 Vancouver International Film Festival, where its filmmaker, Trevor Mack, won the award for Best BC Emerging Filmmaker. Any buzz you've heard is well-deserved. Portraits from a Fire is a masterwork that is somehow at once gutting and poignant, and yes, even funny. Portrait from a Fire centers on Tyler, a 16-year-old member of the Chilcotin First Nation who has the dreams of any kid with a camera. He envisions a career launch at the Sundance Film Festival. But for now, he's wearing a tuxedo shirt and debuting a space film with cardboard characters for an audience of three at his reserve. It's a dispiriting turnout for Tyler, who already experiences pixelated visions of a mother he never knew and lives at arm's length with a father who avoids him. And then Tyler meets a mysterious young man named Aaron. With the input of Aaron and the discovery of a long lost digital memory card, Tyler comes to see his path, not in films about a sci-fi future, but in preserving the past. And then, well, I can't tell you what happens then because spoilers, but it's a gut punch of a journey, completely unpredictable, but trauma and blood memory and why we create art with the most satisfying of final scenes. Portraits from a Fire features William Lulua in his first starring role, as well as Nathaniel Arcand, Asavet Gustation, Sammy Stump, Melanie Bobby, and Pauline Bob King. I spotted a couple of friends of the podcast in the credits. Brother I Cry filmmaker Jesse Anthony was first AD, and Red Snow filmmaker Marie Clement served as story editor. Basically, in short, in conclusion, Portraits from a Fire is a top-notch film made by top-notch talent that's winning top drawer awards, including Best Canadian Feature Film at the Edmonton International Film Festival. And this November, it will reach even more people, thanks to video on demand. And they've also got a few in-cinema screenings as well. And today, I am so excited to have filmmaker Trevor Mack on the line to tell us all about it. Trevor Mack, hello. Hello, Sabrina. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Uh, oh, no. You know what? This first question, I'm looking at it now, and I realize that I put a bad pun in there, but it was completely unintentional. I'm so sorry in advance. It's a bit of a, jet, a, a dad joke, but what was the spark that began your portraits from a fire journey. You see that spark fire? Oh, I man. love it. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The spark, well, the spark is his, you know, because this, for the making of the film, we feel like I actually, I used this analogy of 
tending to this tiny little kindling fire for the past five years. And now that the film is out, it's a massive bonfire yeah. and we get to all share its warmth. And, you know, everybody's like, Hey, look at that fire over there. What, what's happening. And we all get to be like, Hey, come enjoy this fire. And so I'm glad, I'm glad that you went for that pun because this, the spark that, um, or one of the sparks anyway, that, that um, kind of created the, the fire is, uh, and well, a number of them, one is I grew up on the res, letting co, and I was super interested about, you know, reality and what everything is. And that kind of continued when uh, my single mother and I, when we moved into town and we lived at the Friendship Center across from the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And so she would just give me $5 and I would just go watch a movie anytime I wanted. And I went to the movies and I would be watching the movie and I would be like, huh, what? I love this movie, but like, what's, what's behind? Is there anything behind the camera? Mm-hmm. What, what is this image that I'm looking at? Is there, did people make up these costumes? Is this, like, what is that? What is happening here? And so that curiosity kind of continued throughout my life. And another spark is that in 2016, I was assaulted and mugged in downtown Vancouver. Oh, my God. Me with my jaw wired shut for three <gasps> months and my aunties tended to me. And so I realized when I was laying in bed with my jaw wired shut, I had no energy to move because I couldn't eat. I had to eat through a straw that all the decisions that I had made have brought me to that, you know, to that point. And as a young man, sometimes we're not thinking about all of our decisions. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And then I realized that it actually went further than that. It went further than just me. It was, you know, my mother's generation, my grandmother's generation, all of the decisions that have occurred through our ancestors have led us to who we are now. And, and that's, you know, that was the kind of catalyst that, that started this fire. Wow. And I love that idea, too. It's not just about looking back. It's also about looking inward as well, right? Uh, to find that kind of truth. Um, I don't want to do any spoilers because as, I mean, we talked a little bit at the beginning, like there's some delicious spoilers in this film and it's such a journey. But, you know, I think it's so safe to reveal that Tyler, the character of Tyler in the film, is a filmmaker. And after hosting nearly 200 episodes of this podcast, I see something so familiar in Tyler's early adventures in filmmaking, from, you know, his earnestness to the very low-budget screening attended by people. Listen, it was his fault he had it on bingo night. That's why people couldn't stay. But, you know, so in, in what ways are, are you and Tyler aligned? Like, did you make films like Tyler did? Like, how did your experience as a young filmmaker inform what we see Tyler go through on screen? Yeah, I think I made I made a lot of little short films and they weren't necessarily cardboard short films, but they were films that like me and my cousins on the trampoline. They were films of um, just random films that me and my friend would make, you know, while while people our age were partying, we would just, you know, we have my mom's little camera and just make random stuff. And, you know, I would always do I would always I would then make websites for the films or I would make websites for what we were doing because I was like, oh, everybody's going to want to see this. So I have to make a website for it, obviously, (laughs) you know, that same kind of like 
you know, earnest naivete of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, there's going to be so many people that are going to want to watch it. So we've got to make the infrastructure. And so, you know, it was that energy of just it was that energy that really went into the, the creation of Tyler's character, which wasn't so much of an effort because it was, you know, it was written by myself and my um, writer, Manny Mahal, who shares the same feelings as he's also uh, a filmmaker. Mm. Casting is so important in this film, uh, with perhaps no role as important as the one ultimately played by William Lulua. Um, who, I understand this is his like big screen debut. What qualities were you looking for when casting the role of Tyler? And what did William bring to the table? Well, it was... You know, we, we had auditions, we had auditions in my hometown and I was specifically looking for somebody with very little experience because I think that's, there, there's, there's less of a filter towards the truth of the performance. Mm. That's what I feel anyway. And when, when um, William walked in, we, he didn't even read for the role. We just, you know, we talked about pizza we talked about his favorite foods you know like just what he loves to do and you know just the way he carried himself he walked in there like he wasn't trying to impress you know he wasn't nervous yeah he actually he went went to the audition to support his uh, I think it was his grandmother who auditioned and he was just there was like okay I'll, I'll, I'll try it and so with that attitude it was like ah this is the kid this is the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did he? What did he say when you offered him the role then? Especially because he didn't like formally prepare a monologue and do some. I'm doing this one arm out, like acting. You know, like what, what was his response? Yeah. Well, he was like, "Okay, that's cool." And then he, I don't think he he didn't realize how big the next steps were going to be. I gave him the 120 page script, and he's like, "Oh." Okay. And I'm like, yeah, okay, don't worry. We're going to learn it together. And he actually ended up doing amazing. He, he spent so much time reading, remembering the lines and just, and, you know, even on the days when I would actually change lines so often and he was totally down for it, but in a way where, you know, I saw him, you know, as he's essentially like a little cousin to me and I was able to communicate him communicate to him that way and kind of teasing him or bugging him. And then he would tease me or bug me. And, you know, we, we would just kind of play off one another like that. And, and, you know, whether it was challenging each other to video games and yeah, we just ended up finding, finding that chemistry that really, really worked. And he, he just excelled. Fantastic. I love to hear that. Okay, I want to talk more about the experience of filming then. Um, you've already talked about that you wanted to cast in the community. You filmed in the community. Let's let's talk about like the relationship between filming and the and your community. Like what what was the overall feel about your project, you know, during the process of production and in what ways did your community support you? Well, that was something that when when I was small, I always dreamed of making a film in my community, and and that and I have made films in my community. I've made short films that have um, been with local local people from my community, and it was just something that was just 
obvious, you know, it was obvious for me. It was like, oh, yeah, if it's in the community, like the community will be acting in it. That's how it is, how it should be. And so I've been super grateful to have a community like Cletting Co that um, we can essentially play together like that, play make-believe mm-hmm. together on, 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 a, on a big scale. And it's, it was something that was, it really hit me on one shooting day when we were shooting, when we were filming the movie screening, when we had all the lights. And, and I remember standing there being like, wow, we're all playing make-believe together, like elders, adults, and kids. We're all, we're all playing together. And this is really nice. This is really cool that we could do this. And everybody's fully into it because they just are who they are. Like, they're not playing any characters. <laughs> Sammy Stump is Sammy. Melanie Bobby, she's Melanie. William is William. And, you know, it was just natural to my community because we're very much a playful people. You know, mm-hmm. this is how we've gone through colonization is through our playfulness and our teasing and our our laughter and and so that's medicine for us yeah okay let's talk about challenges then um because i love to hear about challenges encountered and overcome specifically when it comes to creative endeavors what challenges did you face bringing portraits from a fire to the screen and how did you overcome them because you clearly overcame them I saw the film. It's rad. <laughs> Whoa, there's so many challenges. There's so many. There's, there's, well, the challenges of writing first, you know, there was so many changes that, you know, as, as a filmmaker, you kind of, you know, you're always like, oh, it's got to be like this. But then just being able to go with the flow and learn that actually the, what happens in the moment and when it changes in the moment, it's actually for the better and to just surrender to that is huge and that's something that yeah, I'm still you know I was learning about and you know that happens with life too you know whatever just whatever happens just just let it go and and you know it's it's for the better which for the film it ended up being way for the better because you know there are moments where whether they're jokes or climactic lines that are being said you know that it all actually ends up working for the better and Bringing this production to Tletting Co, we had 16 days, and I think we had a crew of 40 people, maybe. That were 16 mi- days? Sorry, we have to take a minute. 16 days for a feature film. That is not that much time. That that's is not a challenge. Time. Yeah, that's... Wow. And to be in... So in my community, there's no cell phone service. There's no hotels. So we, our crew was very dispersed, and we didn't have any, you know cell phone service to quickly get in contact when we need something or this or that. So there were those logistical challenges, which were, it was big challenges. And I'm so grateful that we had an amazing crew from Vancouver, but we also had mentees. We had indigenous mentees. We had a mentorship program. And so we had mentees from my community and from the area who were just amazing. They got to you know, there are these kids who just got to be like, wow, we're helping make a movie. This is really cool. And so it was that energy that I think got us through, you know, a lot of the challenges, whether they be scheduling challenges or a lot of the film was shooting outside. So we had to deal with the land and the weather. And so, you know, when, when those challenges hit, you know, we just we went back to the reason why we're doing the film. And, you know, we had smudges every day and, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it was something that it really helped out just having such an amazing foundation. And so, you know, the one challenge too was also, of course, um, challenge to the world was COVID and we ended up having to do reshoots. And so we couldn't shoot in Flerenko. So we shot in, in, I think in Aldergrove. So we actually shot a couple of scenes down South here. And, you know, that was, you know, that was something as well as with the editing process taking about two years, kind of off and on, off and on. And, and that challenge was, you know, sometimes you get desensitized to your story when you, you know, when you're watching it for so long and, and I'm actually glad that we were able to get have hiatuses and to come back and be like, wow, that's really not working. It's really not working. Let's change this up a bit. And so, yeah, just just being able to be in the moment when when the flow of water, you know, goes this way or that way or this way and, and to just be along for the ride. Yeah. Did you have a screening on your reserve, like with the community, everybody or are they, have they yet to see the film? Oh, of course, we had a screening in Honey Gatine, which is William's home community, one of one of our neighboring Saifkotin communities. Yeah. And it was in a dilapidated hockey rink. Nice. So it was literally nearly identically the same <laughs> as his first screening. And it yeah. was you know, a portable um, blow up projector screen. Everybody brought their chairs and, you know, the overgrown grass was kind of everywhere. And it was Oh, it's beautiful. And, we, you know, I get to hear just the laughter of our people. And so it's, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. And actually in the last two days, we've had a screening in my hometown in the same movie theater that I walked to, near, you know, nearly every day when I was a kid and to watch movies. At. And so now the film is, is playing in that movie theater too, which is, which is really nice to see. That you couldn't write an ending that beautiful, although it's not an ending. It's the beginning of a new chapter. I mean, you've won a lot of awards. People who saw the film at VIF have just loved it. Has there been anything in the response to the film that has surprised you? Or, you know, what are some of the things that people have said to you after screening, you know, that have, have really stuck with you? Yeah, you know, I'm 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 super happy that people are able to see it now, and I think, you know, when when you know people, I'm I'm just glad that people have found whatever way the film has touched their heart. You know, whether it be through the comedy or through the relationships, father and son relationship, mother and son relationship, brother and you know relationship. You know, it's it's something that is um, it's it's always. It's always just brings a smile to my face because like I said, you get desensitized to the story and then you end up thinking, is this even worth it? Is this even good? Is this even worth it? Is it and then when when then when people are able to watch it and they cry and they laugh. And for me, that's that's all that matters is is especially the laughter, hearing people, you know, have a good time watching the movie and to laugh with our characters and and to cry with our characters, that's something that, you know, that's the power of cinema is, is it's a ceremony. And, yeah. and so I'm glad that there have been a lot of people who have been able to have ceremony together, you know, especially after what's been happening in the last two years to come together for, for, for some good vibrations, for some good energy. has been, has been all I could ask for. 
Sorry, Trevor, what's been <laughs> happening in the last two years? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I didn't, never used to do interviews over Zoom before the pandemic. It's just changed everything. And one of the right. things that I miss the most is communing with people in the theater, having that experience where we are all sitting there, you know, bathing in the glow of the storytelling on screen. We're all looking in the same direction. And then we all talk about it after. You know, it's, it's, uh, I've, I have missed that. And I'm glad that there are more opportunities to do that. Uh, I'm curious about how you want people to feel as the end credits are rolling on your film. You know, is there a desired uh, reaction or, or questions that you want them to ask or, or is it really a free-for-all? Well, yeah, it's a free-for-all, but I think I just, you know, I think what this film is, is the embodiment of, you know, the, the resonance that we want to be at the resonance in which that we want to meet our next generations when we tell our stories as indigenous filmmakers, mm -hmm. you know, we have a responsibility and, and I, we have a responsibility to tell stories that our youth will resonate with. And I think those stories should be filled with joy, happiness, healing, and abundance. And I think that this film really is about that. You know, this film is, it's, it's not about dystopian worlds. You know, this film is, this film brings families together to enjoy a fa uh, film about healing. Really, it's it's actually it's a it's a tragic film. It's a very tragic film, but you know, it's a lot of people come away with it just a very cathartic feeling. And then there's so much of that laughter, and and so I think that you know that's really important in in the stories that we tell as Indigenous filmmakers is that. You know, what are stories that we want our youth to find happiness in and to find inspiration and joy? And I think those are the films that, you know, those are the films, once I have kids, those are the films I'd want them to watch, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Indigenous filmmaking scene on this land is, it's prolific and it's stellar. I mean, besides yourself, Elmaya Tailfeathers, Marie Clement, Loretta Sarah Todd, Mary Galloway, Jesse Anthony, Grace Dove. It feels like it's such an exciting moment in Indigenous filmmaking uh, scene right now. You know, how would you describe this moment and what excites you about it? Well, so this moment, I feel this moment is that we now, we have, we have, we have the microphone, right? Now we have the microphone, we have the camera. And so now it's like, okay, these are our stories. And so in my healing journey and in this journey to, to tell this story, you know, I, there was the version one of this film was very, very raw and it was very dramatic and it was very depressing. But then it wasn't until I started to continue my healing journey from when I was assaulted, when I got a different perspective on that. And that was thanks to some psilocybin mushrooms that I grew myself for four months and I had this amazing experience on the psychedelic medicine and so I got to see my life from a different perspective and I got to see the story from a different perspective and so I got I saw that the 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 rawness is the first step but we can't get stuck in that rawness and we can't get stuck in identifying ourselves as victims because that's what happened to me I started to identify myself as a victim because of what happened to me but then I realized, ah, that's just the first step. 
So I think that's happening right now with film is we're getting the camera and, you know, we're, we're the, we want to tell all of these raw stories. But then I think then there's another step. There's a step that we have as responsible indigenous filmmakers is to tell stories that, hey, wait a second, do we want to show, you know, do we want to show our people back images? Do we want to show the images of, you know, um, you know, our women as victims, our men as abusers, you know, our kids as gangsters? Do we want to show that? Maybe we can take a second thought about what those literal images are doing back to our youth. And so I think right now, I'm hoping that we're going to see the next, the, you know, the, the next stories that we're telling as our people to, to be um, inspiring our, our own people and to have visions of the future that are about smashing the colonial state of mind, you know, about who we are as people and, and to be proud of who we are. And because we're more, we're more than just residential school survivors. We don't want to be stuck in that bubble because there are powers that want us to be stuck in the bubble of identifying ourselves as that, but we are so much more than residential school survivors. And I think that's the power of cinema is we're able to clearly define who we are and the future that we want to create. And so that's really inspiring for me. Well, I feel inspired watching your film and also watching all the other films of the filmmakers that I mentioned before. Um, what's next for you then? You know, how, how do you feel that you've been changed in your experience of, of, you know, creating portraits from a fire and releasing it to the world? And, you know, what does it tell us? What does this film tell us about the kinds of films that you plan to make moving forward? Well, this film has taught me that, you know, cinema is a ceremony. And when we put sound and image together, just as when I smoke my tobacco pipe, I'm putting earth and fire together to create a new spirit. As when we're making movies, we're putting sound and image together to make a new spirit. And I think seeing that this film, you know, seeing that film can be a ceremony, I think that what I would like to see, and I think what I'm working on the development for is, is a documentary series that elevates indigenous ceremony throughout North and South America. So it's, it's a combination of films such as Samsara and Baraka, Planet Earth, and kind of home movies where we have indigenous youth from tribes all across North and South America who are filming their own people in ceremony. And we, you know, we steward these clips together with, you know, these, these connecting sequences of beautiful um, landscape shots of the land and the animals and the water and to connect all indigenous peoples from the north and south together in a singular narrative that follows a drop of water from a glacier until it's a climactic merging with the ocean mm. and so along the way is where we would feature indigenous ceremony and i think for me the process is everything and so in the process of making something that's where you know a lot of the important stuff happened and so i think with a project that's about uh, elevating indigenous ceremony you know we would be traveling to up to 20 indigenous nations throughout north and south america having ceremony with one another filming one another and 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 just and creating a feedback loop of reciprocity creating a feedback loop of 
inspiration and song and dance. And so that's something that um, I'm wow. looking forward to. How could you not be changed by that? You know, I love that you will have that transformative experience. And then those of us who get to bear witness through the screen will be able to tap into that as well. Fantastic. Mm. I'm so excited, Trevor, about your work. Please come back and talk to us all about it. Uh, Portraits from a Fire hits VOD this November. Uh, Trevor, where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on social media, or keep up to date on what you're working on? Yeah, well, right now we have uh, November 1st. I think we're playing one day only in landmark cinemas across Canada. And then, as you said, November 9th, we're on VOD. And I think you can follow me on my website, trevormack.ca, where I have some essays, I have photography, I have other short films and videos that I create in my travels. And I'm I'm, uh, an Indigenous advisor for the Psychedelic Association of Canada. And so... That's another passion of mine where, you know, exploring the, the therapeutic effects and, 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 you know, the ways in which the psychedelic revolution should be indigenous led and, you know, you know what that means for, for society. And so that's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about writing about and, and creating films on. So, yeah, if you can just, yeah, trevormack.ca is where some of my other stuff can be found. Fantastic. And we'll have a link to Trevor's website in the footnotes for this episode. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, And thank you to our listeners. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us have more conversations like this and we are all the better for it, I think. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenScene. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Firminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Firminger, Davalet for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.